we have various ideas about our future selves. Like we're going to be so much more productive in the future. We're going to have so much more time in the future. I mean, it seems like when somebody asks you to do something in October, and let's say it's March now, well, you look at your calendar for October and it does look pretty clear. So like, hey, <laughs> I'll have tons of time, right? Yeah. But that's not true. Like you get to October, you're going to be just as busy as you are now. You're going to have just as much going on. Only now you will also have this other thing that you were kind of lukewarm about in March stacked onto the pile. And it's just schedule clutter. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the Kamari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified Kamari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Today, we're going to talk about our time, our most valuable, non-renewable asset. Sometimes it's just as important to tidy our time as it is the physical clutter that's in our home. Our guest today, Laura Vanderkam, is the author of several time management and productivity books, including Juliet's School of Possibilities, Off the Clock, I Know How She Does It, What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast, and 168 Hours. Her work has appeared in publications including the New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, and Fortune. She is the host of the podcast Before Breakfast and the co-host with Sarah Hart Unger of the podcast Best of Both Worlds. She lives outside of Philadelphia with her husband and five children and blogs at lauravandercam.com. Welcome to Spark Joy, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome to Spark Joy. We're so glad you're here. We've both been following your work for a long time, and I just love your books, and so we're very honored to have you on our show today. Well, thank you so much. So let's start with what led you to becoming an expert on figuring out where our time goes and what to do about it. Yeah, well, the funny thing about being a time management expert is people expect me to be on time everywhere, (laughs) and unfortunately, that's not always the case, but I do love the topic of time because I think it is, you know, the ultimate non-renewable resource. You know, everyone also has the same amount of time. So while somebody might have more money or might be smarter than the rest of us, they don't have more time. And so we all have these same 24 hours a day to work with, to play with, whatever verb you want to use. And I find that topic so fascinating. So many years ago I began studying it, began studying people's schedules trying to figure out where the time really goes as opposed to where we think it goes. And there turned out to be some interesting uh, differences between those. So, you know, this is what I've spent my life studying. Wow. So as Karen mentioned, we have been following you for quite some time. I think I was first exposed to you either through your TED Talk or a book. And it all started also with a article that you contributed to the Wall Street Journal I'll read this quote from the article to get our listeners up to speed. It really summarizes uh, what we're going to talk about today. You mentioned that instead of saying, I don't have time, try saying it's not a priority and see how that feels. Often that's a perfectly adequate explanation. I have to iron my sheets. I just don't want to. But other things are harder. Try it. 
I'm not going to edit your resume, sweetie, because it's not a priority. I don't go to the doctor because my health is not a priority. If these phrases don't sit well, that's the point. Changing our language reminds us that time is a choice. If you don't like how you're spending an hour, we can choose differently. I love that quote so much. And I actually recently posted it on Instagram last year. And it was one of my most popular posts on my account. Uh, And I really want to dig into where that idea stemmed from and why it's so important to view our time through the lens of our priorities. Yeah, because I think that we often blame time for things that aren't really about time at all. And, you know, talking about time in this way, in terms of priorities, it came from one of the first interviews I did with somebody who was just, you know, doing amazing, wonderful things with her time. I mean, running a successful small business, raising a happy family. And I asked her, you know, how she had it all, that that horrible phrase that we always use. But uh, she basically said, you know, she never says, I don't have time for X, Y, or Z. She'd say, I don't do X, Y, or Z because it's not a priority. And I realized in that minute that that is time management in a nutshell. When people say, I don't have time, what they truly mean is it's not a priority. And one way to think about this is whatever it is that you're saying you don't have time to do. Like if somebody offered to pay you like half a million dollars to do it, would you do it? I mean, you would probably find the time. I mean, you say like, I don't have time to read this book. Well, if somebody's paying you a, you know, a lot of money, you, you would read that book, right? Or, yeah. you know, whatever, cleaning out your closet. Like you, you don't have time to clean out your closet. Well, I'm betting if there was a lot of money on the line, you would move it higher up the priority list. And that's really what it fundamentally comes down to. Now, I, I'm not saying that there's never a case where something could be important to you you're not finding the time for a good reason. I mean, sure, I mean, there's people in very constrained circumstances in life, you know, dealing with illnesses or family emergencies or things like that. I do get it. But for most things, I think this language does hold true. And so, you know, whenever you find yourself saying, I don't have time for this, pause and ask, well, is that, you know, a priority for me? And if it is not, we should just own that truth. There are all sorts of things in life that we may feel should be priorities or other people might think they're priorities, but if they aren't for us, let's just acknowledge that that is true and move on. Find other ways to spend your time. But if something is a priority for you, then you owe it to yourself to treat it with that level of urgency that you would as if somebody was going to pay you a lot of money for it. In my own life, I've often used the expression, oh, I'm too busy or I've been so busy as kind of my excuse for not doing things that I really was not prioritizing. So it's kind of the same idea. Basically, I'm saying I'm too busy to do this thing or to follow up here or to call you back or to return that email. But if it were really important, I would, of course. So I think it's kind of the same idea. And I think it was very easy for me to fall into that trap of just, oh, I'm so busy or I'm too busy or I've been so busy. And learning to not say that as much has made it a little easier for me to say, you know, it's just not something I'm able to get to right now or whatever it is, but a a more honest approach to those things that have been, that in the past may have taken up time that I did not want to give up for a particular activity. Yeah. I think honesty is important because it's about taking ownership of this. You know, saying I'm too busy or I don't have time 
puts the responsibility somewhere else. Yes. But when we say, well, it's not a priority for me, then it puts us back in charge of our time. And that's a much, much more effective place to be if sometimes it does require some hard choices. And, you know, I'm not saying you want to say explicitly to someone, yes, you are really just not a priority right now, (laughs) true as that may be. But you can probably come up with a nicer way to acknowledge that this is not something you are capable of putting your best effort into right now. And so you're going to have to decline. Sure. I mean, it's really about just presenting an alternative, you know, as opposed to I'm too busy to see you this weekend. Think in terms of like, how can we make a plan for a time that is more convenient or whatever the case may be. I think you're absolutely right about that. And I have found that by trying to not say I'm so busy all the time, I feel less busy. I agree. It can be life-changing. I mean, when our narratives become true. So if you keep saying I'm so busy and I don't have time for X, Y, or Z, well, you become in your mind the kind of person who doesn't have time for X, Y, and Z. But if you say, you know, I do have time for the things that are important to me, or even instead of saying, I never do X, Y, or Z, say I do, but not as much as I want. That, again, puts you back in charge of saying, well, how can I scale this up? How can I find a little more time on the margins of my life? And again, that's just a much more effective conversation. And along those same lines, we hear from our clients all of the time that, oh, I just don't have time to get organized. I don't have time to tidy. And our response is also along the lines of, well, maybe you don't have time to not get organized. There's a quote that I just love, and I think it's from Joshua Becker, although I think it's been attributed to other people as well, that says, all the things in your home used to be money, and all that money used to be time, as a way of looking at the way we've spent our precious and renewable commodity of time. How do you suggest to approach this idea of having time or making time to do the things that are really important or the things that ultimately will prove to be more time-saving, such as getting organized? Well, I think if anyone wants to spend their time better, the first thing they should do is figure out where the time is going now. And there are some interesting parallels with you know your method of tidying here because you don't want to take an inventory of what you actually have. And it's the same thing with time. You want to take an inventory of what is actually going on with your life. Because people have all sorts of ideas about what the problem might be. Like, oh, I'm spending too much time at work or I'm spending too much time on this particular project. And maybe you are, but maybe you aren't. (laughs) It's also possible that something you haven't thought of at all is taking more time than you might have imagined. So you want to make sure you are working from good data. So I always suggest that people try tracking their time for a week. A week is the cycle of life as you actually live it. Because if you track your time on Tuesday, that doesn't actually tell you so much about your life because you also have these days called Saturday and Sunday, which may look completely different. And maybe even Friday looks different from Tuesday. So you you want to track for a week to see where the time truly goes. And then when you look at it, you can ask yourself, well, what do I like about my schedule? I mean, presumably there are some things that are awesome because it's your life and hopefully everything isn't completely dire. You can then ask yourself, well, what do I want to spend more time doing? And those are those things that, you know, you claim you don't have time for, but would like to do. I mean, think about what those things are. And then, you know, ask what you're spending more time on than you'd like. You know, what would you like to get off your plate? And if you analyze your schedule with this in mind, my guess is that you can find some time to start doing some of those things that in the past you might have claimed to be too busy for. Now, I'm not saying you're going to find like 40 hours a week for them. 
But could you find an extra hour or two in the 168 hours that exist in a week? Well, probably. I mean, I've seen thousands of schedules at this point, and I don't think that anyone has not been able to repurpose some time from something they didn't care about to something they care about far more. It's so true what you said, how this parallels the decluttering process in a home, because it really is starting with awareness and mindfulness and confronting our time. It's so rare that we really track our time to a great detail, like everything we're doing every 15 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour even. We have our day planners and schedules, but it's really the little things in between that matter. At least that's what I found when I read your book, 168 Hours, and went on to track my own time. It was fascinating to not only see where my hours were going, but also to see where they weren't going to as well, which also you know parallels the decluttering process. So it's so fascinating. Great place to start. Let's see. So I would love for you to also expand a little bit more on some of the things that you have worked on over the years. So you've collected information from schedules that you've seen, as well as developed some facts and tools and tips around productivity and time management. Could you share a few that would be particularly applicable to someone who is looking to declutter their time and their home more productively? Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the best things you can do is, as with stuff, don't bring it into your life in the first place. (laughs) If it's not going to add something, uh, spark joy, as you will, for your schedule. Now, obviously... It's not possible to have all your time spent in ways that spark joy, just as I think it's you know probably a high bar for having everything in your house spark joy as well, even if you can be aiming for that. But don't bring it in if it's just going to be schedule clutter. And one of the best ways to avoid having this happen is anytime somebody asks you to do something in the future, ask yourself if you would do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And the reason this can be life-changing for people is we have various ideas about our future selves. Like we're going to be so much more productive in the future. We're going to have so much more time in the future. I mean, it seems like when somebody asks you to do something in October and let's say it's March now, well, you look at your calendar for October and it does look pretty clear. So like, hey, <laughs> I'll have tons of time, right? Yeah. But that's not true. Like you get to October, you're going to be just as busy as you are now. You're going to have just as much going on, only now you will also have this other thing that you were kind of lukewarm about in March stacked onto the pile, and it's just schedule clutter. So a better question, you know, if you're asked to do something in October, is to ask yourself if you'd do it tomorrow. And if you would, great. Like, I know you're busy tomorrow, but probably if you were willing to move stuff around or cancel things to fit in this new opportunity, then you'll be just as excited in October. But if the answer is like, absolutely not, no way would I ever take this on tomorrow, then, you know, probably that should be your answer for the future as well. And if you just keep this phrase in mind, it can give you that extra little punch to push back on things or to say no to things that would have been a little harder for you to say no to otherwise. I think this is so important, not only in the home, but also in business as well. That's what popped into my mind as you were describing that there's so many things as an entrepreneur that I could do and that I would be good at doing, but I cannot say yes to everything. And I love that litmus test of asking myself, would I do this tomorrow? That makes so much sense. I recently had to decline something that was 
perfectly fine opportunity. I just could not visually see how I could fit it on top of other mm-hmm. priority items that I already had scheduled. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, something very similar came along. When I read through it, it was something I was totally on board with, more deeply aligned with my priorities. And I felt more comfortable committing to, you know, the hour or two that I needed for that. So I totally understand what you mean by that, like really leading with kind of the joy and adding it to our calendar. It should be a joyful thing, not feel like a burden or something that would drag us down. Yeah, if you find yourself dreading it, (laughs) good sign to to, to think twice. (laughs) Such a good point. We know that you work with a lot of working moms. And of course, one of the things that moms deal a lot with is the shortage of time to spend with their kids and to get all the things that they need to get done. And in my experience, a lot of moms feel really guilty about the lack of time that they have to do all the things that are demanded, expected, or and that they want to do. What are some of the common ways or simple ways, the tips, if you will, that working moms can make time for what matters? Well, one of the reasons I do suggest people track their time is that often people are spending far more time with their children than they think they are. So we have this story in our minds that like, oh, if I have a full-time job, well, that's the full amount of my time. Clearly, I'm not spending enough time on anything else. Well, you know, full-time work tends to be about 40 hours a week. And and that is, in fact, true. People may think they work a lot more, but in general, people tend to overestimate their work hours. But, uh, you know, there's 168 hours in a week. So if you're working for 40, there are actually quite a few others. And if you have young children, you see them for a lot of those hours. So one of the upsides of tracking time is I've had people come to me and say, you know, I used to feel guilt. I do not feel guilt anymore. What often happens is people are only counting, say, 10 a.m. on Tuesday as being quality time with children. Well, but that's ridiculous. Like, (laughs) that's not the only time that occurs. You know, I've had people find that, like, they're spending quite a bit of time in the morning, for instance, with children before the workday begins. There's some time in the evening. There's obviously all of weekends. There's holidays. It just winds up adding up in a way that I think people don't give themselves credit for. So that is one of the big liberating things of tracking their time. The other thing I would say is that in general, start thinking of your life in terms of a week, which is 168 hours instead of a day. Because very few people get to absolutely everything that is important to them every single day. But you don't have to. I mean, even people who tell me, oh, I exercise every day. Well, they track their time and it's usually they mean four to five times a week. Well, that's not every day. (laughs) Every day would be seven days a week, right? And people say, oh, I go to work every day. No, you don't. You probably work five days a week, right? You know, it's just these same sort of things. Like we need to look in terms of a week. And then I maintain that anything that happens three times a week is a regular part of life. And that tends to be a far more doable mindset for most things. Like if you exercise three times a week, you're a regular exerciser. If you have family meals three times a week, you're the kind of family that has regular meals together. You know, if you read for, you know, on three sessions a week, well, you are a regular reader. It just once you have that in mind, I think it is an entirely different perspective. And it's also accurate. I mean, three times a week is a lot for anything. So let's, you know, give ourselves some credit for that. 
The question, does it spark joy, is a simple one, but not so easy to execute alone. Extend your tidying experience by joining the Spark Joy Club, our online community filled with our clients, fellow listeners, and Kamari enthusiasts ready to support your journey. If you find yourself buried under clothing, stuck on storage, or pointing fingers at untidy housemates or family members, we want to help you finish your tidying journey once and for all. Support the show at the Joy Riser level and receive access to our exclusive virtual community, as well as the Tidy Home Joy Journal, your number one tidying companion. Visit sparkjoypodcast.com and click on Join the Club to get started. And now back to the show. Well, you touched on a couple of things and this idea of the myth of quality time with your kids, I think is so important. This idea that, you know, that time is not really spent with your kids just hanging out or just getting ready to go somewhere or just, you know, doing the the activities of daily life, that it has to be something where you're completely engaged in some activity with them. And then also this idea that, the more time you're spending doing something means that it's a better use of time. That the more time you spend exercising is better than less time, but maybe better quality time. I mean, it's actually not that great to work out every day. You, your body needs time to rest. Yeah, I think it's just making sure we have a good holistic perspective on our time is good in general. I mean, it makes us feel more in control of our time and it keeps us from telling these sort of alarmist stories of, oh, I never do X, I never do Y. And yeah, I I totally believe that if you are, you know, just having breakfast with your kids, well, that's good time hanging out. It doesn't have to be that you've gone to a specific, you know, craft activity on Tuesdays at 10am. That time in the morning is real and it counts. I mean, time in the car counts. Time, you know, spent doing all sorts of things which you do wind up spending a lot of time with the people you live with just by the nature of wanting to and also just being there. So, you know, having this complete holistic perspective on time just gives us a much more abundant mindset. We're all about abundance here on Spark Joy. And I love this whole idea of tracking a week. The one thing that I ran up against was that sometimes my weeks are not typical, especially in the world of entrepreneurship, each week is a different adventure. Um, So what do you do when you have like kind of those atypical weeks where the week you're tracking isn't really the average type of week that would fall in one year? Because there are no atypical weeks. I mean, there are no typical weeks at Mm -hmm. all. I mean, this this is one of these fallacies of time tracking. So I have this happen all the time that people are like, okay, yeah, I'm going to track my time. I'm going to track it, see where it really goes. And then I get like, you know, a call two days later and be like, well, you know, my tooth broke and I had to go to the dentist. So I took a half day at work and, you know, I guess I should start over. Right. I'm like, well, no, (laughs) I mean, this is life. This is what happens. Like, unless you are never, ever going to have another thing happen in your life that uh, departs from sort of your perceived normal schedule, then the atypicalities are actually more typical than not. And one of the reasons people tend to think that they work more than they actually think they do is that in their mind, a typical week is one where you are never pulled away from work for anything. But how often does that actually happen, right? Exactly. Or what's a typical night for you? People tend to think about sleep on like Tuesday night. They're not thinking about sleep on Saturday night. 
And so that's why in our minds, we have a lower sleep total than we actually have in reality. Or people will be like, oh, you know, yeah, here on my time log, it shows I went out with friends on Thursday nights, but that like, that never happens. (laughs) Like, well, clearly it did. It's just, you're telling yourself a story that you have no time for friends or something like that. And so when it happened, you have to tell yourself, oh, that never happens. This is atypical. So I, I just, you know, the, one of the reasons I do love time tracking is that it does show us what life looks like. And I think a week is generally enough to see what is important to you. Now, it is true that if you are on vacation, for instance, your life might look a little bit different from, say, a week at work. But vacations happen too. It might be interesting to track your time sometime on a vacation mm-hmm. just to see where the time goes. Or, you know, a, a week where a kid gets sick, well, that happens too. Or a, a week where there's just all sorts of things. And, and life is less typical than we think. And deciding what is typical is more of a value judgment than it is a statement of reality. Saying what is typical for us is more about how we'd like to see ourselves than anything else. So true. I I couldn't even tell you today what I would think would be a typical week. So I don't really know what I was trying to track and to begin with. So <laughs> I bet if I looked at every week, I would judge it as not being typical. So you're right when it's just like pick one and go with it. And, you know, just really it's an exercise and awareness, which is most important. All right. Well, we want to loop back to the fact that you are the co-host and host of not one, but two podcasts, which God bless you, is a <laughs> um, So let's talk a little bit about Before Breakfast and also your other podcast, Best of Both Worlds, that both address work-life balance, career development, parenting, time management, productivity, and more. Tell us a bit about those two projects. Yeah, so Before Breakfast is done in conjunction with iHeartRadio, and it is an every weekday morning short podcast with a little productivity tip that is designed to take your day from great to awesome. So, you know, you listen to me in the morning, you will say, okay, I'm going to try this today, or at least try this this week. We aim to be very practical. And, you know, however short your commute is, you'll be able to listen to it (laughs) because it's only about five minutes long. Best of Both Worlds is a co-hosted and non-scripted one that is a back and forth with a friend of mine who, Sarah, is a practicing physician and mom of three. So between us, we've got two careers and eight kids, and we really love both. Uh, we, we love our jobs. We love our families. And so we talk about work and life from the perspective of people who really enjoy both aspects of life, who do not see them as being opposed in any way. And so we talk about you know all sorts of you know, the challenges, but how people overcome them. We talk about people's schedules. We talk about time management. We talk about logistics. And we interview some fascinating people who are building awesome careers while raising families at the same time. Amazing. I'm going to take action here and make time for before breakfast (laughs) in my schedule to listen to your tips. I love practical tips and I love to start my morning off right. So sounds like a winner. Considering all of your books, your writing, and your podcasting, we have to ask, what is your favorite time management tip? So I think that my favorite time management tip is that I plan my weeks on Fridays. And this weekly planning is really the bread and butter of where it all happens. So at some point on Friday, 
I sit down with my planner, which is just a notebook from Target. It's not anything fancy. Some people love fancy planners. And if you do, great. For me, it is just a notebook from Target. But I sit down with that in my calendar. And I look at what is coming up in the next week. I look at what I would like to accomplish. I look at what I need to accomplish. And I make myself a priority list for the next week in a couple of categories. Career, relationships, and self. And the goal, of course, is to have some priorities in all three of these spheres. And one of the reasons I like making a three-category list is that it is very difficult to make a three-category list and then leave one of the categories blank. So that right there can kind of nudge you to have a more balanced life. But yeah, Friday, I sit down, plan the week ahead, make sure there is a time for anything that is important to me. And then over the course of the next week, I cross off things as I do them. And on Friday, I then kind of look back at the past week and say, well, were there things that were unrealistic or that I didn't spend enough time on or I did took more time than I wanted? It just gives me an opportunity to reflect and then to look forward again. And this is really, truly how I manage my life in terms of running a business, raising five children. I mean, this is how it works. I love that you do this on a Friday. Usually people plan maybe on Sundays or Monday mornings, maybe. I love the idea of doing this on Fridays. So I think I'm going to try that as well. And I also have three buckets right now that I'm working on finances, health and career, just all of my goal planning for this year, my vision mapping, everything just seemed to be aligning with those three things. So I'm going to start to look at my calendar through that lens too, and make sure everything is nice and tidy when it comes to my time. So thank you, Laura, for that inspiration. The Friday thing, I mean, the reason not to do it Monday is then you've lost that yeah. sort of momentum you have on Monday morning, right? Like you yeah. could have used Monday morning to really knock something out when you are gung-ho and ready to start the week. So you kind of lose a big chunk of Monday if you plan on Monday. And people tend to think in terms of weeks. So that's the lost time. The problem with Sunday is, well, then you've lost some of your weekend time doing it. Plus, if you need to make plans with other people, many people are not you know, at their desk to take a phone call or to answer an email. So there's a delay on that. Whereas Friday afternoon, they're still there. So you can make that happen. Friday afternoon also gives you a chance to think about what you want to do that weekend if you have not already thought that through. So that gives you an extra chance to kind of plan your fun or your family time as well. And the other upside of Friday, well, two more. One is that you aren't doing anything else by Friday afternoon. Most people are kind of just sliding into the weekend at that point. So repurposing time that would have been wasted. And it also, I find, gets rid of some of those Sunday scaries because one of the reasons people feel a lot of trepidation on Sunday, even if they like their job, is that they don't know what's waiting for them on Monday morning. Mm -hmm. And so you can sort of start worrying about it and thinking about it all of Sunday afternoon. And then you're turning what, again, could be leisure time, family time into work time, mentally work time. Whereas if you have a plan on Friday afternoon, then you can just disconnect and know that you can execute that plan on Monday morning and you don't have to keep thinking about it. Makes perfect sense. Oh, so glad to get that insight today and I will make that happen this week. Excited. Well, it's that time we're going to part ways, but before we do, I would love to hear at this very moment, what sparks the most joy in your life, Laura? So I recently decided to get a bar height table and set of chairs for my back deck. And I really love to have my coffee out there in the morning. I, as much as possible, I'm trying to wake up before 
the big four children, if I can, on school mornings. So I can have at least a couple minutes to go sit outside and just have my coffee, listen to the birds, look at the trees. And so having that set of chairs and table has really just been great. And I know that objects are sort of not as exciting as experiences. But in this case, my object is enabling an experience, namely sitting out on the porch and having my coffee. So I just got that set not too long ago, but it has become a life highlight very quickly. Well, we're so happy that your table and chair spark joy for you, of course, and are enabling this experience that is bringing so much to your life. Thank you so much for joining us today, Laura, and sharing all of your wisdom around how we can make sure that our calendars remain clutter-free and that we're using our time wisely for the things that truly matter. Thanks so much for joining us here on Spark Joy. Well, thank you for having me. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. Head on over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and review the show, which helps us reach others along their tidying journeys. To extend your tidying experience, you can join the Spark Joy Club. Visit sparkjoypodcast.com and click join the club to become a member of the Spark Joy community or join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your hosts, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast, is not endorsed by or affiliated with Kamari Media, Inc. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Kamari Media, Inc. or the Kamari Consultant Community.